Hello everybody and welcome to this podcast about diversity and inclusion in our largest UK companies. My name is David Stiles, I'm Director of Corporate Governance and Stewardship at the Financial Reporting Council. My team and I are responsible, amongst other things, for the UK Corporate Governance Code and diversity is a very important part of that. At the heart of the code, one of the many things that the code attempts to achieve is creating an effective boardroom, a group of directors who can make decisions. And those decisions inevitably have implications. They've got implications for the long-term sustainability and creation of value uh, in our companies. And that leads on to important implications for the benefit of the economy and indeed wider society. And that's where diversity and inclusion come into play, because unless we're accessing the finest talent that we have in the UK, we can't be sure that those decisions aren't making effectively. And what we're particularly interested in here is two elements. There's qualitative research in terms of the relationship between diversity and inclusion and the board and company performance, but also the makeup of the board itself, qualitative research into the quality of discussions and the constructive challenge that goes on within the board to make decision-making effective. That's why we commissioned London Business School and SQW together to look at this really important area for us, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. So I'm very pleased to be joined by Professor Randall Peterson from the School of Organisational Behaviour at the London Business School and by Dr Sergei Plekhanov, from SQW, uh, the consultants who participated also in this research. And I'm going to be talking to them today, not about simply about the motivations behind it, which I've explained, but also in terms of the challenges of doing the research. So first, if I could hand over to Sergey, what were the main challenges that you found in undertaking the research? Thank you very much, David. Thanks for the introduction. Uh, Thanks for having me here. So, well, as you said, this is a very important question and a very complex question. So there is a lot of interest in the findings. And because the audience of interest is so wide, obviously, it it was obvious from the very beginning that, you know, as you mentioned, a mixed methods approach would be required. So we we needed to undertake both quantitative and qualitative research. Um, So when we carried out the study, we made sure that both strands of the research were integrated and they were informing each other. So the findings from the quantitative side helped us to design the questionnaires and inform the interviews with directors. And then the findings from those interviews helped us to interpret what we saw in the data. If we think about the quantitative side of things, the main issues are the data availability and appropriateness of particular measures to answer research questions. And another challenge is a potential reverse link between board effectiveness and diversity. Right. So our hypothesis is that perhaps a more diverse board is more effective and more efficient, but it could also be the case that a better organized, a better run board can either focus a little bit more on becoming more diverse or can simply be more attractive to diverse candidates or also can, can be better in retaining diverse candidates among them. And if we talk about the qualitative side of research, then, of course, the challenges are around collecting information that is not biased and that is comparable across different respondents and therefore can be analysed and generalised to to the population. Thanks very much. Could you say a little bit more about how you actually overcame those challenges when you were conducting the research? 
So if we talk about the quantitative side of things and the measurement challenges, we decided to look at three complementary but different measures of effectiveness. Right, So we looked at EBITDA margin, that's your more standard so-called hard financial measure. So because the hypothesis there is if a board is effective, it helps business to achieve better financial performance. Then on the other end of the spectrum, we have a more behavioral measure, which we took as shareholder dissent. And the idea there is if the board is more effective, then shareholders are happier with their decisions and they don't object as much. And of course, shareholder dissent also takes into account all aspects associated with better collaboration, uh, for example, or better stakeholder engagement uh, on the board side. And then somewhere in the middle, we have a mixed measure, stock performance, share prices and stock returns, right? Because that measure definitely reflects your financial performance, but at the same time, it also incorporates behavioral elements to it and reputational aspects as well. It is important to say that obviously when you're conducting quantitative research, you are limited by measures that are available across a large number of companies, you know, looking at FTSE 350 in this particular case. And for this reason, quite a lot of researchers that look into the issues of diversity and effectiveness and the relationship between the two have to undertake research on financial measures. This is not because we are trying to make a business case for diversity. That's not the case. It's just simply a matter of data availability. And in terms of breaking the reverse link, we were looking at lagged effects. So the hypothesis is that uh, the effects from diversity are not immediate. And if you look at business performance or stock returns or shareholder descent at different points in time, you can conclude that a change or improvement in diversity that happened before may have had an effect on your measures at a later stage. And because of the way the time works, it could have happened the other way around. And where we had models with uh, simultaneous effects, we, we, we tried to use various um, statistical techniques, for example, using instrumental variables, so replacing one of the variables with a similar variable that's correlated or shares information with board diversity, but is not necessarily affected by, by the reverse link. And when we think about the qualitative side of research, we used a QSOT methodology that helped us to gather information consistently in a way that was easy to analyze and compare and contrast with quantitative findings. And perhaps Professor Peterson Randall could elaborate a little bit more because he was leading that part of research. Thank you. Yeah. So we use something called the QSort, something I've been working with over the last 25, 30 years. And if you think most of the time, you can either ask an open-ended question, or you can say on a one to 10 scale, for example, tell me how good of a listener is your chair. Instead, what the QSort does is it anchors both ends. So it says, you know, on one end, the chair is insensitive to individual viewpoints within the board. On the other end, the chair is a good listener and pays careful attention to what others say. Not only do we anchor it on both ends, we also say we also only allow a certain number in each category. So you have to really think carefully and pick carefully whether you know, one of these items is particularly important for describing your board. This is really important because everybody knows the correct answer to many of the traditional type of questions you might ask. And so what this does is to say like, okay, so we know that most are going to say that a chair is a good listener because that's what we, we know that's a good, that's a good outcome. But is that the most important thing about your board? 
Or is it just something that is, you know, it's a little bit important to describe how your board actually works. So this allows us to get more fine-grained distinctions instead of just wide-scale agreement with pretty, pretty much everything you might be looking at. And so, for example, this item I just read to you turned out to be the single best predictor of how well the board did with diversity. Okay, so that's the process by which diversity gets utilized within a boardroom is by having all directors agreeing that the chair is a good listener. So that's why we use the QSort. Thanks, Randall. That was useful because that's an approach I know that you've been working on for a long time, and that's what's very helpful in terms of the study. Now, how do directors in the boardroom approach diversity and inclusion? Yeah, well, I think one of the most important things that we found was that you have to ask in the boardroom, people talk about diversity, but they oftentimes mean very different things. If you think traditionally, we might think about surface level diversity versus deep level diversity. So the diversity you see versus the stuff you don't see, you know, things like values and experience that we don't always see. And, you know, we also might think about, you know, why diversity and whether we're, we want to make the business case because diversity makes our companies better or other reasons, uh, social justice or moral case having to do with it's the right thing to do because we need to reflect a larger society. And those are issues that directors are talking about. When we actually went to the data, we asked them just open-ended, please define diversity for us. And we went back and looked at that in several different ways. I think the thing to kind of think mostly about it or to really take away from it is that the most important way or the most consistent way they talked about it was the deep level diversity, the person, their personality, neurodiversity, and things like gender and race came below those in terms of how often they're mentioned, how important they are in definitions. And then as you go even further down, you get other things like age and nationality and sexual orientation and those kind of things. We actually went back also and asked about we, we looked at what are the things that they emphasize most heavily in their definition. And again, it's definitely the deep level diversity, the kind of stuff that we don't necessarily see is the most important part. In addition to that personal stuff, also functional diversity and background diversity. So background culture and social norms and those kind of things. So clearly directors are thinking about deep level diversity, which is the stuff that really helps drive good quality decision-making in the boardroom. And although I think perhaps critics might suggest they're not paying enough attention to the other things that matter to a lot of people, which is the stuff that we see, that surface-level stuff as well. And there might be a whole set of reasons for that, but their focus is mostly on that deeper-level diversity. Thank you, Randall. I mean, that's a, a very good explanation. And, and what you brought out there is obviously the wide spectrum of diversity and how boards have to think about it in that way. And, and interestingly, of course, the last revision to the UK's Corporate Governance Code, you know, attempting to define diversity is quite difficult, but we, we managed to come up with a, an expansive definition in the principle of the code, which enabled, we hope, enabled boards and companies to think about diversity in that way. And I think we're going to talk about that a, a bit later on as well, um, because it's a multifaceted uh, approach, as, as we say. Now, in terms of the results, if we think in headline terms about the research question, 
and how board effectiveness has been affected by diversity. Sergey, what, what were your findings? Yeah, thank you, David. So what we found after analyzing about 20 years' worth of financial data and a few years' worth of data on ethnic diversity is, first of all, that there has been strong progress in increasing gender diversity, right? For example, about 20 years ago, around 2001, only about one quarter of FTSE 350 companies had at least one woman on their board. And today, it's pretty much every single company out of FTSE 350. Having said that, unfortunately, there hasn't been as much progress in terms of ethnic diversity. And when we compare the data over the last five years, we see that the percentage representation of ethnic minorities on the boards has gone up from about 6% to about 7%, which is still below the country average. But that obviously affects our ability to identify the effects of increasing ethnic diversity, right? Because before you observe effects of anything, you, you first need to observe the change. However, we were able to find some very interesting effects from the increase in gender diversity. So, first of all, we estimated a large number of statistical models, and not that many of them provided us with statistically significant results. And one could argue even that if you run a large enough number of statistical models, you will keep getting statistically significant results by chance. And that argument is definitely have its place. However, what we found when we were running these estimations that the, the results that were coming up statistically significant didn't appear to be completely random. They were showing up in places where we expected them to come up and combined with findings from the qualitative results and qualitative interviews with board directors, we started noticing some very interesting patterns in the data. So in terms of the effects of gender diversity, if we think about our first measure, EBITDA margin, we can say that companies with more gender diverse boards are rarely associated with losses. And even more interestingly, the top 50% of the sample in terms of financial performance tend to see improvements or gains from increase in gender diversity, but three to five years later. That comes back to that interesting point that perhaps a company that's better organized has better culture, better protocols in the board, and that helps them to be a well-performing company financially, also helps them to capitalize on diversity a little bit more. We also can see in the data that more diverse companies or companies that become more diverse have uh, and demonstrate a positive trend there experience less shareholder dissent in the coming years. And the reduction in shareholder dissent is actually quite significant. It's about 40%. However, probably the most interesting finding we noticed in the data came from observations on stock prices, share prices. And those models tell us that simply increasing your diversity does not do the trick. It doesn't necessarily help as the diversity measures, which we had, were actually associated with a negative coefficient. So simply increasing the number of women, for example, on your board could lead to a less desirable outcome. However, what had a much bigger and statistically significant positive effect was reaching a particular milestone. And for smaller companies, such as Woodsy 250, that milestone was having at least one woman on the board, so starting the diversity journey. For the bigger companies like FTSE 100, that milestone was about one-third of the board, and that was associated with substantial gains in stock returns. And what this tells us is that to benefit from diversity, you need uh, to actively work on it. You need to create the environment that allows you to 
capture the benefits and reap the benefits. And when we saw this, we asked ourselves, okay, what is that environment? What are the characteristics of uh, of the environment? What are the characteristics of gender diverse boards that perform well? And we looked at our qualitative findings and we found that effective gender diverse boards have strong emphasis, a strong emphasis on collaboration as they call the engagement. You can think about their values as a pyramid and at the bottom of the pyramid is the equality of opportunities and standards that yields reduced overconfidence and there is a greater delegation in the board and reaching consensus is a common practice before making any important decisions. Right. So the main message here is diversity can bring the benefits. The benefits, uh, gender diversity is associated with benefits, but those benefits come a bit later, three to five years later, and you need to actively work and create the environment that will allow you to reap those benefits. When we looked at ethnic diversity, we couldn't find significant results, partly because we didn't observe a change in ethnic diversity. However, we did find a very interesting observation that gender diverse boards and ethnically diverse boards are not the same boards. The correlation between the two is virtually non-existent. And that tells us something important about A, it appears that there is no single key or single code to diversity. So a board that's successfully gender diverse is not necessarily successfully ethnically diverse. And also it highlights the importance of taking a look at the bigger picture and not focusing on one particular type of diversity, right? So intersectionality is is an important thing. And if you adopt a very box-ticking approach and say you want to have a particular number or a certain number of women on your board, you may achieve that, but at the expense of other dimensions of diversity, such as ethnic diversity or socioeconomic diversity. In fact, when we looked at the socioeconomic diversity, we noticed that we don't have enough data to unambiguously claim that this is the case and may be happening. But what we observed is that perhaps high socioeconomic status women are replacing low socioeconomic status men. This may be happening and we, we don't want to be the trend. Right, so it's a very important message is to think about diversity more generally and think about different aspects of diversity. So another finding in terms of socioeconomic composition of the boards was that less than a third of directors from FTSE uh, 350 companies come from a low socioeconomic background and therefore they are underrepresented because the population figure is about 48% people are from a low socioeconomic background. So there's clearly more progress needed on that front. So there are definitely benefits from reaching a particular milestone in your diversity journey. And for smaller FTSE 250 companies, that milestone or critical mass is as small as one person. And even though pretty much all FTSE 350 companies have benefited from starting their diversity journey already, there are many, many smaller companies, SMEs, in the economy that are not diverse at all. So what this research says, there are amazing benefits for them to be realized when they start their diversity journey. So the importance of this research goes beyond the findings for large companies. It's it's relevant for other organizations in the economy as well. Yeah, that's right, Sergey. Those are important implications for organizations much more broadly. The journey on diversity is a long one. And along the way, you learn things that you didn't expect to learn. So one of the podcasts in our leadership series with a CEO, 
you know, who knew that he was going to spend a lot of time talking about the arrangement of women's bathroom as he diversified his business. But it became an important issue because it was a heavy industry and there weren't many women's bathrooms. And as a result, of course, then that brings on other things. So as you diversify, it really starts to change the way you work. And if you're going to do it well, as we found in our own research here, the addition of women to a boardroom makes those boardrooms more collaborative in their approach. It is literally changing the way that boards work. And that will be so for a wide variety of types of diversity. And in fact, of course, if we think about going forward here, the future research we would want to do, right? That's actually one of the things that our own report again highlighted, which is things like adaptability. How adaptable are we? What does that really mean around diversity? What are the adaptations that really make the difference for people? You know, people need to have a growth mindset. What will that actually mean in the context of a boardroom here? I think there are probably a whole raft of interesting research questions. So, Sergey, what about you? What other kind of research questions do you think that we're going to be looking at in the future? In terms of future research, I think one area of future research is definitely intersectionality and trying to look at different types of diversity blended in one measure to to come up with a complex measure of diversity. This is challenging because that requires collecting more data and requires collecting data uh, more consistently. And crucially, it also requires a change in those other types of diversity. For example, ethnic diversity. We, We need to initiate the change, observe it, and then study the effects but hopefully we will see this, this necessary change in the coming years. So up until now, the spotlight, so to say, was on or has been on gender diversity and ethnic diversity because those are relatively easier to measure, I suppose. But there are other types of diversity incredibly important. And we just need to be better at collecting and recording data and incentivizing companies, large companies, to report various metrics of diversity so that we could study the effects of those on board effectiveness and on performance and productivity in the country overall. So thank you uh, once again for a good explanation of the different factors that you have to take into account and the challenges across the board in collection and indeed the interpretation of the data. I'm going to round up now and talk about the findings which are very interesting and, and very important for diversity and inclusion. It's not a one dimensional issue. Obviously, it's multidimensional. And achieving diversity means dealing with things in a multidimensional way. And if you think about diversity in terms of corporate diversity, you have to think about it in terms of the particular circumstances of your company, the stage of development, the sector which your company is in. You've got to think about all of those issues. So it's a complex thing for boards and companies as a whole to think about. And one of the things that we found in our recent review of corporate governance reporting for 2021 was that there wasn't sufficiently good quality reportings in terms of succession planning, in terms of creating that wider pool of talent below the board. So whether it's gender or race or socioeconomic diversity or any other wider form of diversity, what we're thinking about is creating wider pools of talent. Uh, and that means in terms of the code below the board, two layers of senior management below the board so that you can create the board for the future and think about company strategy and where you want the company to go and how diversity in all its strands can help you do that. 
So the report was extremely interesting, very useful for the FRC, and we look forward to comments from anyone about uh, what could be done in the future and how we can work further in these, uh, these important issues. And you can find other podcasts in the video and podcast section of the Financial Reporting Council's website. You will also find the second podcast, which is called How Boards of the Future Can Effectively Harness the Power of Diversity, by checking out the Leadership Institute's website, which you can find at london.edu under the Faculty and Research and then looking under research centres and institutes. So, thank you for listening.